Hey guys, I'm Stephanie. And I'm Rachel. And you're listening to Sisters Spooked, the podcast where two sisters talk about all the creepy things. We'd love to hear from you. If you have a scary story, suggestions for an episode, or anything really, please email us at sisterspooked at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter at sisters underscore spooked. And we also have a secret Facebook group, Sisters Spooked Secret Group. Our website is sisterspooked.com, where you'll be able to find our blog and much more. We're so excited to have you. It's time to get spooky. Sister Spooked contains graphic and explicit content. We recommend to listen at your discretion, but we hope you stay for the show. Thanks for listening. Can you guys still not hear me? Yeah, no, we, we can hear, hear you. Oh, you're just ignoring me. Someone's got some real bad static in the background, though. It's not static. It's it's probably the jacket that I'm wearing. Loving. Does someone have a fan on? No. Nope. Yeah, maybe it is your jacket, Rachel. All right. Okay. Lord. Sorry. <laughs> well, we're waiting on you. Girl. I know. I was talking to them really quick. <laughs> Okay. Want me to work at the horse farm, but then I'll have four jobs and an internship over the summer. I don't think I can do that. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. All right. Okay. <laughs> Hello. 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 We have a very special guest with us this weekend. Well, I guess it's not the weekend, but we have yeah, a special yeah. guest with us this week. Yes, that's me. <laughs> and who are you? I am the mama. <laughs> my name is Sarah. Ew, oh, no, mom, don't talk like that. No last name. Yeah, no you name. can't say your last name. Oh, oh, you'll have to flip that. Oh my god. I don't know the rules yet. I mean, I'm sure they could figure it out, but like I don't, don't think anyone would care enough. Yeah, to figure I mean, out. just don't like give them the breadcrumbs. Oh, okay. <laughs> Gotcha. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. So how were your guys' days? Um, it was good. Yeah, I mine was pretty uneventful. Just went to a class and then got something to eat and then came back and did nothing. You know, <laughs> usual. <laughs> Except for when I work. I don't work on Thursdays unless I have to. Gotcha. Yeah. Well... I work Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. <laughs> yeah, well, I have a lot of classes that I don't go to. So What? 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 No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, girl. <laughs> Attendance is not mandatory and the lecturers are not good. So it doesn't even help to go anyways. Okay, it's well. It's a waste of time. I don't Maybe think I'd admit that. I don't know. say that to mom. Oh, well, I mean, my grades aren't suffering for it. So. Man, it's not my, it's not my thing, not my gig. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. Okay. Uh-huh. So, I think how we'll do this is, um, Rachel, I went first in the last one, so you you should go first this time. 
And then mom, you can go in the middle and then me, I'll go at the end. Okay. Wait, and what did I, we do? What did we do last time? Uh oh crap, I can't remember. Let me look at the schedule. I think wait, did I, I thought I thought you went first. I thought I went first last time. Did you? I thought so. Hold on. I can't oh. even remember what we did. Oh, we did um, kid murderers. I what just, was that? Oh wait, you did go first. Because we did the kid murderers. That was not me. Don't yell at me. There's no sounds coming anywhere near me. Okay. Uh, did we do kid murders last week? Yeah. Yeah, we me. did. Because it was real jacked up. Yeah. Oh, wait, no. I. Wait. I went first. I thought I. Hold on. Let me see which ones it is. It was the. It was the two girls. No, you went. You went second. I went first. Oops, you, I accidentally typed dicks this is stuff I miss when you guys are... <laughs> this is stuff that gets edited out yeah. yeah I accidentally instead of typing docs I accidentally typed in dicks oh my oh. gosh don't make the same mistake that Molly made like eight or nine years ago <laughs> well, at least your Skype name doesn't call you a hoe well yeah <laughs> okay Rachel I'm pretty sure I went first. I know for a fact I went first. You did John Venables and Robert Thompson, and I yeah. did the bathtub girls. Yeah, I All right, know. fine. I'll go yeah. first. Yeah, because I went first last time. Okay. Well, our theme this week is hometown murders. So we're each going to talk about... Um, Wait, cases. no. No, no, no. It has to be hometown crimes, not murders. Well, I have, okay, so hometown murders and crimes, because mine yeah. is a murder, and I think, Mom, I think yours is a crime and a murder. Yeah. My, my I have one spooky one, one crime, or, well, one, one murder, one spooky one, and one um murder. Okay, right. so this is, the theme is hometown murders, crime, and paranormal activities. <laughs> yes. That works. <laughs> All right, let's roll with that. Okay, cool. So my case is actually pretty well known, and it's about Christopher Vaughn. Do you guys remember who that guy is? I know. Wait, I thought you were doing the five. No, no, no. I said I might. I said I might do that if I can't find enough information. Oh, all right. Continue. Okay. Okay. So, um, many people followed the case of the husband who potentially murdered his whole family. A personal story. I've driven past the subdivision that their home was in hundreds, if not thousands of times. And Kate, our cousin Kaylee, even went to school with one of the children. The Vaughn family lived in Oswego, Illinois, where my, where our family is from and where we've spent most of our life. The parents were Christopher and Kimberly Vaughn, and their children were Abigail, who was 12, Cassandra, who was 11, and Blake, who was 8. Christopher worked as a computer forensic advisor, and Kimberly was the president of PEO Chapter HC Illinois. Don't ask me what that is. I, I don't know a, what is it is. Is that a sorority? No. Maybe. Uh -huh. I don't know. Oh, you said I chapter, so... <laughs> Yeah, uh, unsure. It could be something religious or something like that, too, or charity. Charitable. I think she, I, yeah, I want to say she actually worked for the school district, but I'm going to be honest, I didn't, like, research it. 
because I didn't have time. <laughs> ah. <laughs> I know. See, Mom, okay. she's the one who always lacks. <gasps> no. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> okay. Okay. Right. Oh, are we not supposed to laugh? Sorry. No. Oh, what? Fine. No, you can laugh. Okay. Yeah, what? No, I was, because Rachel was trying to give me a little dig. Oh. Because she was the one not ready this time. <laughs> oh, I see, I see. Yeah. Usually it's me scrambling last second. I know, and it was me this time. So, <laughs> sorry if my information is not great, or my story is not well put together. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, on June 14th of 2004, the family started driving to a water park for a quick weekend getaway. The Vons was this Ford- Raging Waves? Uh, I don't even think Raging Waves is a thing yet, because uh, oh. I, I started working there in 2008, and it had opened the previous year. So, 2007. I can't remember they were going. It was, it was, in, it was a water park in Springfield. Oh, okay. Okay. So... The Vaughn's Ford Expedition was parked on a service road near Interstate 55 in Shanahan, about 40 miles southwest of Chicago. When the family was found, Kimberly was shot once and all three of the children were shot twice, once in the head and once in the chest. Vaughn flagged down a passing car, I accidentally wrote call, good lord, and the bodies were found after they called 9 to 9 to I cannot speak today, obviously, too. After they called 911, Christopher had a gunshot in his thigh and was not initially a suspect, even though a gun, a handgun was found at the scene. Next, Vaughn was taken into custody and told the police that his wife had pulled a gun on him after they, after they had pulled over and stopped. And he said she shot him. And when he got out of the truck to help the children, that's when Kimberly shot them. Then she took her own life. Oh, the, wait. It was the mom? No. Just, mom, sh- no, just wait. Wait, I'm confused. Just just, yeah. <laughs> okay. So the police believed Vaughn because... Oh, this was his alleged, like, this was his yeah, story, this what he alleged. Story. Oh, Okay. So the police believed Vaughn because it was uh, it was found that his wife was taking medication where a side effect was suicidal behavior. But soon after, key ballistics found Vaughn's story did not line up with the blood spatter evidence. The pistol Kim used to quote unquote commit suicide was as well her tr- oh sorry as well as her trigger hand, did not show a pattern of blood droplets typical to a self-inflicted gunshot wound. The burns on the children from gunpowder particle also showed the barrel. The gun barrel was only a few inches away from their body and couldn't have possibly been as far away as the front seat. When the Vaughn's home was searched, a magazine that contained an article on how to make a murder look like a suicide was found. Christopher had also purchased the handgun and practice shooting just a day before the mini vacation. Upon his arrival to the funeral home in St. Charles, Missouri, Christopher was taken into custody for the murder of his wife and children. Christopher told police he wanted to start a new life in the Canadian wilderness. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, on a business trip to Canada, he took additional days off to scope out his new digs. Two days after the murders, he was charged with four counts of first-degree murder, which is 
first degree murder is unlawful killing that is both willful, predetermined, and predetermined, meaning it was committed after planning for the victims. Mm-hmm. So Kim wasn't wearing a seatbelt when discovered, and Christopher's blood was actually found on the belt, on the inside of the belt, which possibly he took it off after he shot himself. And his clothing was tested and showed that he had actually sat in her blood at one point. Oh, what the heck? Yeah, so I'm sure he was trying to stage the bodies and got her blood all over him in the process. Because I'm sure he had to, like, lean over and forcefully make her shoot herself. Yeah. So. If he knew anything about any crime shows, he would know that that never works. I was just right? going to say that. You would think these people would learn from previous crimes that you're, you're probably going to get caught. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> I was also cracking up. Well, I guess this wouldn't really have anything to do with it because he was a computer forensic advisor. So I guess he re- wouldn't really know much about real blood spatter forensics because that wasn't really his expertise. But mm-hmm. Okay. Well, most people wouldn't. That's why they get caught. Well, <laughs> True, Rachel. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so now we'll move into the trial. I don't know why I'm talking so fast, but I am so sorry. We're almost done. Oh. I know. Good thing, Rachel, that you have like four mini-sodes coming up. So Very many. <laughs> oh, so I have to talk slow? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so during the trial, Vaughn initially faced the death penalty. Keep that in mind. Retired judge Daniel Rozak came back just for this case, and he said Vaughn was cooperative with the lawyers, but he stayed quiet and reserved during his courtroom appearance. Rozak said the questionnaire given to the potential jurors for the case was 15 pages long, while the standard questionnaire is only two pages long. So during the trial, the jury learned that Christopher Vaughn had spent the months leading up to the murders making secretive plans to live off the grid in the Canadian wilderness and filled a storage locker with camping and survival gear. After six weeks of testimonies, it took jurors less than an hour to return with a guilty verdict. It was no surprise to see what they'd marked, Rozak said. Illinois ended capital punishment while Vaughn's case was pending, and a mandated and mandated a sentence of life in prison. And then Judge Rozak said, if that case didn't oh shoot. If that case didn't qualify for the death penalty, I don't know what would. Sure. So Christopher Vaughn was charged with four t- life term sentences for the murders, and he'll spend the rest of his life in Statesville Stateville Correctional Center. Wait, I thought I thought Statesville shut down. Don't they do that haunted house thing there? Isn't it abandoned? Well, it, that's why I corrected myself because I said Statesville, but it's actually Stateville. Oh, so they're different? I'm assuming they're different. Oh. All right. Yeah, that was, that was sad. Yeah. <sighs> I'll never understand it. Me neither. What do you all think? Wait, so where, I'm sorry, where exactly was this? This was in, so 
The murders actually didn't take place in Oswego, but they were from Oswego. Oh. So they were, like, in Shanahan. Oh. Oh, well, that's not that far. Yeah. That's, like, isn't that right by Morris? Yeah, it's not too far away from there. All right, is Mom going next? Yeah. Oh, boy, here I go. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so... I'm doing. Wait, mom. What? 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 Uh, don't rustle your papers a lot because Is the really mic not? the mic picks it up. So if you're gonna rustle your papers or like turn them or anything, just like don't say anything and then turn your paper so I can cut it easily. Oh, okay. <sighs> so start fresh then. Yeah. Okay. I my story. I I'm gonna say um a lot. I'm sorry. I'm try, I'm gonna try not to because I so does I, so so does Stephanie. I know. I don't have a written out kind of verbatim, so it's gonna make it. Neither, a neither do I, mom. It's okay. Okay. I'm the only, only one. Only who... Stephanie follows a script and she does it poorly. So. Rude. <gasps> <laughs> 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 hey, the your hell? your your words, not mine. Whatever. So this story is about Troy Graves. Um, otherwise known as the center city rapist. The link that um, is with this one is that we lived in Cheyenne, Wyoming on the air force base from about, we were on the base from about 2000 to 2003. And we were actually not too far from the women's dorms that they had for the, you know, the single air air women, I guess is what you would call them. Um, Basically, I don't think we found out that he had peeped into the dorms until all of the story broke, but he had peeped into the dorms and was, you know, potentially going to have one of those people in the dorms be one of his victims, but never ended up doing anything. He got caught by the military police and there was a record filed. And um, so it was on record that he was a peeping Tom. So keep that in mind for kind of future. So literally we had a killer slash rapist, going about the base the whole time we were oh this happened on the base he was on the base yeah oh he was a he was an airman that worked in those missile silos as in the maintenance section wow so bold of bold of him to do all this with a on a military base right right stupid guy yeah i think it would be like really secure and, and especially being a missile base as well it's so. not even it's not even about it being secure it's the fact that literally you have military armed military people all around you and you're going to commit crimes yeah. like that yeah but the bases wasn't like i mean you were too little to to know really you didn't see a ton of military people running around the base they were oh. the section we were in was kind of like a living area and then the other parts were more secure and that's where most of the military people were that's not to say they weren't around the base but they weren't right there in your face all the time or anything like that Ew. yeah but um, basically, he was born in 1972 in Minnesota to Earl and I don't know if her name is Michelle or Michael or I don't. It's M-I-C-H-A-L Graves. So I guess that would kind of mess you up as a little kid anyway to have your mom not, not how to pronounce her name. But anyway, he was raised with his <laughs> mark by their mother in um, New York and Pennsylvania after their parents divorced in 86. So that kind of he was about 14. So that right there. You know, he kind of was moved around. His parents divorced by the time he was 14. Not an excuse. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but things like that sometimes affect kids. I'm, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that what he did was a good thing. But um, so then by 89, 
which I was kind of comparing this to when I was in high school, he would have been maybe like a junior in high school. He had already dropped out of high school. So from there on, he uh, took kind of menial jobs in Philadelphia while living in the areas of West Philly and Center City, which is where the rapes had occurred, the rapes and the murder. Um, by 1999, he entered basic training and went down to Lackland Air Force Base in Texas. Um, he got stationed then after that in F.B. Warren Air Force Base in Cheyenne, Wyoming, as a missile silo maintenance worker. Um, but in between, when he worked, you know, those menial jobs starting in about 97, going up till 99 before he went into the service, that's when he um, was doing his, you know, picking out his victims and preying upon them in the vicinity of Center City. Um, he had six victims, and one of which was the one that he ended up murdering. And I, to be honest, I didn't research it to see if he did it by accident or if he did it on purpose or, you know. Well, if he murdered someone on accident? I don't, I don't know. I, I, I <laughs> no, guess I, I understand what you're saying because it's, it's possible he actually murdered her like, right. while trying to commit the, like. Yes, or if he felt like, oh. like he had to and that's why she ended up murdered. I don't know, like, why, why he. motive. The one lady, but I wanted to mention her name. It's Shannon. Can I say her the last name? Because of well, the if it's public knowledge, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's not public just, knowledge, I, no. I think it's like it would be nice to mention it because she's the victims are the ones that should be, you know, put into memory, not him. Yeah. Her name was Shannon Schreiber, and she ended up actually um, getting killed in '98. So, Rachel, to put that in perspective, that's when you were born. <laughs> I, Mom, I know when I was born. <laughs> I know, but I'm, everybody else may not know that. But it's. Oh. it's I mean, it's 20 years ago that that happened. Yeah. Wait, so, were we were we on base when he was committing some of these crimes, like any of these crimes? Yeah, we were on base. He, I'll I'll get to that in just a moment. But yes, wait, we did, did Dad did Dad know him? Um, I probably not because Dad was in um security forces, and this guy was a maintenance worker in the silo mm -hmm. area. So okay. maybe all the radiation mucked his brain up even more or something. But that he can't use that excuse because he was doing it before he even got down there. But yeah. Anyway. <laughs> So let's see here. By 2000, I want to do this in order. He became preoccupied with entering the Air Force somewhere in between like 99 and 2001, because after, you know, that 97 through 99 is when he did the first six in that Philadelphia area. Well, in between 99 and 2001, there was really no activity that they knew of. So, so the attacks seemed to stop in that time frame. Um, and then Fast forward a little bit when he got to F.E. Warren, that's when the peeping occurred and he got caught peeping. But then he kind of he must have been like, oh, crap, you know, they almost caught me. So he must have kind of laid low for a little bit. But then um, by 2001, he actually married someone and moved to a home near Fort Collins, Colorado, which was actually on a college dorm campus. So, you know, perfect. It Actually, I'm sorry, it wasn't on the campus. It was near the campus. So just imagine uh, somebody who's a serial rapist having access to nearby college dorms and things. That's basically the area that he chose to live in with his wife. So um, in 2001, he started actually raping and victimizing people again and actually had six victims again um, in that time frame. 
And then he ended up getting caught by, I believe it was 2002, and then went to prison um, and was for, you know, for a life sentence. Mm-hmm. Wait, how, how did he, wait, so you said he murdered someone in 98? So how, yeah. how was he out and about? Like, when did they figure, when did they figure out he murdered someone in 98, like that he was able to be out and about in 2002? Well, because he didn't get caught in that time frame. The first set of um, victims were from 97 to 99. And then he went into the military. Mm. Once he, and then. Oh, so he murdered someone before he got into the yes, military. Yes, he murdered the first set of people, or I'm sorry, he victimized and then murdered that one gal in Philadelphia. And then when he went oh. in the military, he got restationed out in Cheyenne, Wyoming, and mm. ended up living in Fort Collins. So he, Ugh. I know, and I, I always thought that was so strange that he lived in Fort Collins because Fort Collins is like a 45 minute drive away from Cheyenne. Yeah, it so, wasn't, nothing in Wyoming was close yeah. to anything. <laughs> and when, in the winter, if he would have gotten, I mean, they closed the highways down. If the winter would have gotten bad, he wouldn't have gotten, been able to get. So I have a feeling that the area he settled in was an area that he felt he could victimize people easier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So, and that's, that's why I think he went ahead and bit the bullet and drove that, you know, that mileage because it was a drive to, to go back and forth between there. That's, with that's so pathetic. Imagine planning your entire life just so you can m- commit these heinous crimes. I know. I know. So, um, but yeah, basically that is the end of the story. I mean, he's really serving a life sentence for his crimes and. Wait, how did do you did you did you figure out how they like found the body where the body was found like what how he murdered her not necessarily motive but like how she was murdered or anything like um, that i know he got caught let me think he the the last time he victimized someone he ended up getting caught and i it really didn't mention how he got caught it just said he did get caught and his dna was run through the system and they had all of his dna on, on uh. file right with philadelphia so it so all they had already found the body but they didn't know who did it right yeah uh... yeah so once they oh, caught mom him was calling at my door and started kind of <laughs> into everything then um they they also well, had, they had already found her she was one of the first like victims in 98 the shannon Schreiber. Schreiber. she yeah. was she was the victim but they never knew who did it so they had already but... found the body and knew but like, did he like try to hide it? Did he just like leave it no. somewhere? Like, he just—I thought he just left her. I could be wrong about that. I thought he just left her to, you know, for everybody to but find. Then how how did they not find him until they like ran his DNA? Because test? he was for some reason was able to get away, and no one ever caught him. He just was sneaky that way, I guess. So yeah, yeah so he—I mean, just think—he did. He had six victims the first time. Then he went to the military. He got caught once peeping. And then, you know, a year after the peeping incident is when he had six more victims. And then he finally got caught with his sixth victim. And that's when they had all the DNA to link him back to the, all the other crimes, too. So he had 12 victims in all, one of which was murdered. Wow. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's crazy. crazy. Yeah, so he's, he was the one that was running around the base while we lived there. nice. <laughs> remember mom when we lived on base and the light downstairs would go out and we 100% thought that the house was haunted yeah but then but then remember I was down there one day and the train tracks were really close to the house and I figured out that it was yeah 
Captain from the train tracks. <laughs> oh my god. I remember like I remember it was like a museum or something because I was like, yeah, I don't know if I yeah, remember this. It was in the, wait, excuse me, I was talking. It was in the fam camp. I don't know what that means. Anyways. So I remember, I don't know if I remember it because of stories or if I remember it because I just have that memory, but I remember Oh, hold like, on. Hold on. Juan is coming in. All right. <laughs> All right. Tell him we're busy. He's going to the room. <laughs> I told him I'd make dinner after. Um, <laughs> I'm going to make dinner for you. <laughs> no, it's okay. Okay. Sorry. Continue. So I don't know if I have this memory because one of you guys told me or if it's, like, something I remember. But, like, I remember you guys, like, talking about, I don't know, like, I don't know, Stephanie, if you were going with your friends and you weren't supposed to go or something. Um, so, like, the Probably. Museum, I, I wasn't I was allowed haunted. to be, no, I wasn't allowed to go to fam camp by my. Oh, yeah. Uh, fam camp. There were a lot of weirdos down there. And you know what? They actually um, found a couple of, they thought there was a um, cougar in there at one point. Oh, yeah. Shoot. So it, Wait, yeah. what, what is fan camp? What does that even mean? It was just a place you could go camping and stuff. And there were some oh. people down there that, you know, and the thing is, is everybody thinks bases are so secure, but that base was not secure. The bums used to ride in on the train all the time. It, mm-hmm. The only place that was secure on the base was the missile silos. <laughs> so <laughs> the other place was just like a regular town. I mean, it wasn't, you, you didn't, you weren't really that protected. I mean, you were at the mercy of anyone who wanted to do anything they wanted to, just like the normal outside world. So there was a Burger King though. I know. <laughs> so, and there was a theater. Yeah. So, Anyway, Rachel, tell us more about the museum and the fam camp. Yes. Okay, well, I don't know. I don't I don't know if I ever went there, but like I have like I might have like a displaced memory. But I don't know why. Like I don't know. I don't think I ever went there. I don't know why I have like Yeah, like, some... you went to the fam camp or to the museum? To the museum. Yeah, no. you did. Because yeah. we took I did? Cecile and were there uh, stairs? Meta. I think there were, yeah. <gasps> stairs. I have a memory from three years old. <laughs> yeah, probably do. Yeah, for sure. I know we went there because we have pictures of you guys sitting in the missile chairs and stuff. Yeah. Hmm. Weird. Wait, <laughs> was that was that one of the was that one of the museums that we like did the dress up stuff and like had the no. woman? Oh, okay. I was like, no, that was the there was like an old frontier western museum or huh. something like that. Because we that lived was a, that in was the country, grandma, right? Grandma and grandpa. <laughs> I, I think, think it, a couple of people. I think it was with Grandma and Aunt Anna, and then oh, another yeah, time with Grandma and Aunt Aunt Marla came out. Yes, mm. you're right. Because yeah, Grandpa so did pictures. Yeah, Grandpa wasn't able to come out when we lived in Wyoming. Yeah. Unfortunately, I was sad he couldn't come. <laughs> I think I remember. Did I meet Aunt Marla for the first time when we were in Wyoming? Um, no, you probably no. Just, that was probably just the first time you remember. Yeah. yeah, I because I remember like I I remember like Grandma coming and then like associating Aunt Marla with her, obviously. Right. But like I actually I actually do remember like, like one, you were one when we moved out there. So um, anytime before, I'm sure you met her well before that. It's just oh like, yeah, you know, there, there's no way I would have memories before that. Yeah. But like around around three, like I think I do have a few memories. Yeah, because no one's ever explained those situations to me, but I do kind of have like a memory, like Rachel memory bank there. We what? need to get the pictures out when you get home, Rachel. Ew, oh my god, stop! <laughs> Jeez. 
there's like one photo one photo album that i would flip through like non-stop that had all those frontier pictures yeah stuff. yeah all right is it my turn i got like a bajillion if i want to go through them <laughs> yeah i mean do as many as you want to do all right well i'll start with like the creepy one like the the haunted one okay so I'll rachel start with the, what can you do me a favor what can you try really hard not to say like? Huh? Hey, why don't you try, Miss Like? No, I know. Trust me, because trust me. When I okay, was... anyways. Oh, okay. So I'm I researched a a couple of them that that happened. Uh, well, one happened. No, two of them happened pretty recently, and then one I don't know when it happened. It's basically just like an urban myth for for Oswego. But I have a I have a personal story that goes along with it. So the first one I'm going to talk about is Cherry Road. So I have a best friend named Dana. You guys know that. But uh, we were at her house, and she started telling me about this myth that on Cherry Road, a couple had allegedly wrecked their car after prom because you know that really sharp turn on Cherry Road. It's, like, basically a 90-degree turn. Yeah. Yeah, so they were going down there, allegedly, and crashed, and the uh, the girl was killed, I don't know, upon impact. There's really nothing more than this myth right here, which is why I don't know if it actually happened, because it's just pretty much past. Like, it's basically just an urban myth, so I don't know if it actually happened. But So, basically, the whole thing is that the guy crawled out of the demolished car. The girl was already dead, and he crawled out of the demolished car and wrote help or help me, one of those, with his blood on the road. And I was like, oh, 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 whatever. And it's, like, known that her ghost is sometimes able to be seen on that curve at night, usually. So Dana and I, as we do, took her golf cart down Cherry Road, and almost like at that part almost no one ever goes down there so it was like whatever like we weren't gonna get in trouble for driving the golfer down there so we started driving it down there and i was recording it and then all of a sudden i see red like i guess it was i mean unless it was blood it has to be paint so there's like red paint on the ground and i when i tell you i almost crapped my pants <laughs> i i really almost did i i would that was probably the most scared that i have ever been i was totally unsuspecting like she told me the story she told me that allegedly he like wrote help me in blood never told me that kids nowadays some kids take it upon themselves to keep it spray painted red oh, i had just... no idea so we rode up in the golf cart i have the video still somewhere and we we rode up in the golf cart and i start recording i was like oh my god like, I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And, like, spray painted in red, it looked like blood, was help me on Cherry Road right on oh that corner. God. And I was like, we need to go back right now. Like, F this. Like, I am not staying on this road. We need to go back right now. I was like, I am not having any of this. Like, I was so freaked out because it was before she told me that kids spray paint it. So I was like, what? Like, we need to go back. Like, this. Like, I, I that one time and, and someone did it basically said it was an urban legend it didn't say that there was any truth to it but still it I could I would be freaked out too if I saw that 
Yeah. Like, I knew it was an urban legend, but I that was the first time I'd ever heard about it. Dana was like, oh, do you know about this Terry Road <laughs> thing? And I was like, no, I've never heard of that. So she told me. And because apparently, I think she said it, it was an urban legend around when her dad like yeah uh, was growing up and and he's he's older than you mom so i don't know if you would have he's he's, I don't think he's like that much older. yeah he's like nine or ten years older than you oh i didn't realize yeah, yeah so uh, i i think that maybe it was a little bit before you so it might not have like necessarily gone completely through you but yeah when i told you i told her to get that golf cart back as soon as possible i was like <laughs> no we're driving straight out of here i was so scared and my oh. reaction is on the recording somewhere i don't know where it is it, it's not like you get protection in a golf cart exactly we were just out in the open with this spray painted help me in red that looked like dripping blood and i was like okay i'm i'm not having any of this oh thank you yeah so um, I also, when I was looking, so every single place, it seemed like they got their information from the same place because it literally had the same paragraph over and over again, every single thing I clicked on, basically just saying that, like, allegedly they were coming back from prom, wrecked, he drew the blood with his own, he drew help me with his own blood, sure. and then, yeah, so that's, it all says the same thing, and it says that people, like, teens still spray paint it. So I also found this thing where apparently a person and their friend were driving down Terry because they heard of this myth and they were taking pictures and on the turn, um, they were taking pictures as they were going through the turn to see if they could find anything weird. And after they were looking at the picture and they increased, at first they, they thought that it was like the ghost of the girl and they, they kept increasingly looking at the picture and apparently it just kept getting like more sinister as they kept looking at it. And then um, they said that uh, they said that things started to get really weird in their life. And but they also read, I had literally never heard of this second part, but apparently they heard somewhere that there was also a murdered body buried somewhere on the curve of Terry Road, which yeah. I really don't believe. I think they just made that up for like attention. I don't know. But so they were like, this is the evil, like evil from that body in the picture. And then they said on another occasion that they were driving and their friend felt something. They were driving through a patch of fog on Cherry Road and their friend, quote unquote, felt something go through her. Mm. And that it was maniacal and sinister, whatnot. So that was all I found for Cherry Road because it, like, obviously... A, a myth is not going to be just pasted everywhere on the internet it, it's passed down from locals you know yeah you know that so there's it's that kind of like that movie munger road hmm. have you I seen that no. oh it's like where you park your car and put flour on your back bumper and then you park on the train tracks and then the kids uh, there's like spirits of kids there who were killed or something and then oh thanks before a train comes, something pushes your car out of the way, and then when you go look at your bumper, there's tiny handprints like kids oh, push yeah, your car. Oh yeah, on train tracks and wait for some ghost <laughs> children to push my car out so I don't die. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, All I right. mean, that's why it's a myth. So. <laughs> okay. So the next one it is not. It's not a, it's, it's a crime. It's, it's not like spooky or scary or anything like that. Um, but I, I'm sure you guys heard of the Oswego High School. Oh my God, my friends are being loud. 
I'm sure you guys heard of the Oswego High School uh, softball coach who who died in a hit and run on Plainfield Road yep. in, uh, over the summer. So, yeah, so it's not a haunting, but yeah, a hit and run murder. So her name was Amanda Stanton, and she was 26. And like I said, she was a softball coach at Oswego. And they didn't know who did it at first, but then I think it was a couple months after they found the car that was used, and it was um a silver. It was a silver 2006 Chrysler Pacifica. Yeah, so that was a vehicle. His name was um Nemaya Williams, and he was 38. He was charged with reckless homicide, and. At the beginning of the article I was reading, it said he posted a $15,000 bail, but then in the, like, the third paragraph of that same thing, it said that a judge lowered his bail from $1,250,000, so I don't know wow. what was posted. I don't know if it, if which number is the error. It's probably the 15000 is the error, because I can't believe that they would let like no, someone who... I think they did lower his bond because there was really no hard proof that he was the one driving the car. So, and um, I, I'm pretty he, sure it's still kind no, of. No, like, I mean, they pretty much, I feel like they pretty much, okay. No, the, I know. I know. Well, do you, do you know though? Because he had a history of not complying. No, no I'm saying, I understand that I, I feel like he should have stayed in jail, but they were kind of saying, oh, you know, innocent and proven until proven guilty kind of thing and stuff like that. Yeah. But also, um, so he had already had eight convictions from driving on a suspended license or no valid license, and he was currently on bond for being arrested after having a DUI and driving on suspended license. So wow. he was already on bond for having been arrested for a DUI yeah. and suspe- suspended license. So I don't know. How many times can you post bond for a crime? Like, what? how does that even work? Yeah. I yeah, have no so, clue. Trust me, I'm not in disagreement with what you're saying, but they they were basically saying that because they had no proof that he was driving and whatever they needed to get, like they needed to find more for, forensic evidence and see if they could find witnesses to kind of you know put it. No, in. they had they had like it either said twelve or twelve dozen tips called in. Yeah, no, so they, I, they did. They, I don't know who was calling in, but, but at, the t- at the time he was posting bail, I don't think that they had as much information as what they did. Mm. Kind of as I, with, with the with the bail thing, I was just saying, like I know that they lowered it, but I don't know if he had to pay fifteen thousand or one hundred and fifty thousand because there were two numbers in there. Well, yeah, you so. only post ten percent of your bail, so if it was one hundred thousand, oh. it would be fifteen thousand. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. Why do they? What? That makes no sense. If your bail is one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, why would you only have to post ten thousand? I know. I know. Why so would you dumb. Yeah. Why even? Wait. What? Why even say say that's the bail if you only have to pay ten percent <laughs> of the bail? Then just make the bail the ten percent of what? That makes no sense. I know. Good Anyways, point. So who pays the other ninety percent of the bail? Just... I think they have to pay the rest of that bail if they're found guilty. Well, I don't. So I think they just go to jail and. If they don't show up for jail, then they lose their, like, the amount that they put down. The deposit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they lose their jail deposit. <laughs> All right, that's weird. Yeah, so that was pretty much it for that. I remember, like, I remember it was over the summer. I was still, I was staying here at school. And Dana, like, 
um, she messaged me. She's like, did you hear about that um, that softball coach from Oswego who got like died in a hit and run? And my geometry teacher, when I was in high school, she was a softball coach. So I didn't know it changed. So I genuinely thought mm-hmm. that my geometry teacher would like died in a hit and run. It doesn't make it any less tragic, but I, I like, I was like, oh my God, like, yeah. because um actually yeah because um my old anatomy and physiology teacher she actually had passed away like also so I was like geez all these teachers are just passing away mine too <laughs> well okay yours well. are a lot less <laughs> I'm joking because I'm older get it haha <laughs> yes <laughs> okay so in the third one that is like more recent that there's a little more information well I mean not really because it's it's not like our other ones, like it's not a matter it's not a matter of if he did it or not, but so um Russell Coughland and his twin daughters and wife. So these girls, they I actually have like I know people who knew them really well. Like I, I used to be friends with, with someone who knew them really well and and it was really sad. So they, they were I think they were like fifteen or sixteen and he Basically, he had a, like a long history of uh, mental illness and uh, him and the wife split up and there was like, I guess it was not, a, it wasn't a clean break. So, I mean, I'm sure that drove his mental illness through the roof, but basically I, he applied for a gun and Illinois has a 72 hour waiting period because, you know, usually if you apply for a gun and you're, you want to use it for malicious intent, you got 72 hours to think about it and be like, if you're angry about something in the moment and you want to buy a gun, you can't do it because you yeah. got 70, 72 hours to cool off. Well, he didn't cool off. He bought the gun after 72 hours of inquiring about it. And um, less than a week after he inquired about the gun, he used it to kill his daughters and shoot his wife. And then he committed suicide. Wow. Yeah, yeah. that was sad. I remember that. Yeah, I don't remember that. It was right after I graduated, or like a little bit after, I think. Okay. Yeah. It was in August of 2017. Oh, so it was a year after I graduated. Yeah. Gotcha. I was out here in Chicago already, so that's why I oh, probably... Oh, wait, no, that was when she was sued for... Okay, so basically, like, this is a really important book. I just said she was sued, so I'll explain a little bit. So, he had changed... So obviously he he knew he was gonna kill his like twins because um he had changed their their um the the life insurance policy before mm-hmm. before his death um to benefit his brother and close friend instead of oh wait actually um I thought when I read it I misread it I thought that he changed his ki- his daughter's life life insurance but he changed his so instead of going to his kids um it would go to his brother and close friend but maybe he did that because well they were gonna die anyway and it was gonna go to the mom then yeah so I'm surprised with suicide that he would even get any life insurance well he, yeah that's yeah, true I don't know he he murdered he murdered his twin daughters and then killed himself so um. And shot he shot like the the wife too if I remember correctly. So yeah. um she she sued the um, brother and friend basically because she was like I I I need that money I deserve that money like he shot and killed like my daughters and he shot me like I I should get the money like not your not your brother like wait because... did the wife survive Yeah yeah she's alive Oh he wa- yeah. he wanted her to survive Yeah he he told her. 
he he told her he was like i want you to live like um with the pain that i had to live with what the hell yeah, yeah like living with her kids and like gone so um she sued because she wanted part of that money which like i don't i don't blame her like right. he took everything from her so that was that was did really end, really did sad. It say, did she end up getting some of that money? She, she got she got I think it said she got half, but then oh, she had to pay lawyers. So, I mean, she so. should have because she would have had like burial expenses and all kinds yeah, of stuff. Exactly. Wow, that's cool. insane. Yeah, it was. I was really sad. Like, I I mean, I didn't know them, but seeing oh, I knew actually a couple people who knew them. Seeing all over like my social media and stuff like the people that I knew grieving about it like it was just such like it was it was such a sad thing yeah and it was it wasn't it was not that long after we left high school so like I mean yeah it it was just really sad so that was it for the ones that are like that I knew about so here like I found this book about um weird places in illinois so do you guys know the oxable cemetery yeah so um apparently there's legends associated with the cemetery uh, that there's like strange car trouble if you go there the ghost of a young child and also rumors of a gate to hell Oh, yeah. <laughs> so the, the most heck? the most notable story you mean the one over right, down grove road um yeah it's in manuka Oh. Oh. Oh, 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 mom. It's by the church that we vote at. Oh, that's Manuka? I think it's that's at the end of Brown Road. Oh. It's, it's located south of Interstate 80 at the end of Brown Road. No, I don't. I think you're thinking of a different one stuff. Oh, okay. That, that doesn't sound like the same one. Then maybe I don't know. It's in Grundy. <laughs> yeah, that's not the same one. Okay. Scratch yeah. it. There's also an Oxable, like, elementary school or middle school or whatever in the Plainfield district. So, I don't know, like, that's what I thought it was at first, but it's not. So, uh, um, the most notable story concerns the ghost of a young girl that has been seen lurking around the cemetery. And according to the Shadowlands Index of Haunted Places for Illinois, the ghost will only appear if you get out of your car. And recently, oh, someone hell removed no. the- Yeah. Recently, someone removed the headstone of a six-year-old girl from the cemetery and left it on the playground of an elementary school. And the ghost allegedly belongs to that particular girl. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. And then there's the Cherry Road one in Oswego. And then in Yorkville, actually. So, um, there's some cement dams in the Fox River near downtown Yorkville. And, or concrete whatever cement yeah concrete, same thing um so they rebuilt it to include a canoe and kayak shoot mm-hmm. but um they were concerned about the safety of swimmers and wait stop well copper's got someone is that by you yeah can you let us know when it passes all right okay so um in 2008, a teenage boy disappeared while swimming in the river with three other friends. And according to local residents, the ghosts of um, a family who drowned at the dam can also be seen reenacting their tragedy. I don't. Wow. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't know. I don't know where people get this stuff from. But apparently, a father, a mother, and their daughter walk across the top of a dam, 
in um, an attempt to escape but always vanish before reaching the shore. Yeah, I don't know. And then at a former Yorkville middle school, there's um, it's said to be haunted by the ghost of a janitor who died in starvation in 1978 after he was trapped in a school's elevator over summer break. Oh. Um, former students reported feeling as though they were being watched in the hallways when they were alone. The local newspaper investigated the story and found several inconsistencies, including no record of a death in the building in 1978. And I don't know what there's no el- Wait, excuse me. Mom dropped off the call. What? Mom? Oh, weird. <laughs> okay, when did well, she drop off? She. It just happened right now. I just saw it go from three to two. What the heck? I don't know how to... Hold on. Let me try to get her back in. I added Hold her. on. You added her? Uh-huh. Okay. It's calling. Hello? Mom? Hello. The ghost didn't like me being on the call. <laughs> oh, can you not? I'm trying to sleep tonight. You like you said what you said, and like my screen went blank, and it's like I'm like, what the hell? What? I was like, I was like, Rachel, wait, my. So I was like, mom dropped off. Okay, so what? What was what was the last thing you heard? Um, I was asking you where that the damn one happened. Oh, so you didn't even hear about the middle school? I don't. Um, where I don't know, somewhere in downtown. Yorkville. Oh, okay. Probably, uh, uh, probably by that like ice cream shop right by yeah. that old house. Oh. Okay. Probably around there. I don't know actually because I know that there's some kayaking that goes around there. Okay, yeah. so I'll restart the middle school one. So in a former Yorkville middle school, I, uh, um, apparently that it's haunted by the ghost of the janitor who died of starvation in 1978 after he was trapped in the school's elevator over summer break. And former students reported feeling as though they were being watched in hallways, even if they were alone. Um, the local newspaper investigated this story and found several inconsistencies, um, including no record of a death in the building in 1978, and also the fact that there is no elevator there. <laughs> That's a pretty big inconsistency. Uh, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so... Yeah, those are the ones that are close to us. Those were good ones. Yeah, they were good. Good yeah. job, Grace. Oh, there's one at Star Rock. Oh. <laughs> Should I just say it? And you can, you can, um, you can just cut it out if you don't want to include it. No, you can include it. Star Rock is, you know, like in the general vicinity. Yeah. We've all yeah, been there. Utica. Yeah. Yeah. So Star Rock. Star Rock is like a. It's a state park. That a lot of people in Illinois go to, including us. So, um, it's, it's, um, it contains 18 canyons and 13 miles of trails. So, American Indians inha- inhabited the site for several thousand years before the French arrived and built a fort at the location. According to the legend, Potawatomi Indians, I don't know if that's how you say it. I, disclaimer, I don't, I'm sorry. Um, I'm reading Don't this for the us. first time. Don't be rude about it. They can add us, but just... <laughs> Don't add us if you're going to be rude. Huh? <laughs> Anyways, so they were, they trapped a group of, uh, 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 uh tell myself! <laughs> okay, 
I'm going to restart this. Okay. So according to legend, Potawatomi Indians trapped a group of Illiniwek. <laughs> I don't know how to say that. Okay. They, they trapped another group on um, the butt of something and starved them into submission. Giving I'm the rock the butt of something. I'm the I don't, butt. Like B U T T E. Butte. I don't know. Oh. I'm I'm assuming they trapped them on a rock, like cliff like thing, probably, where they couldn't eat, they couldn't get out, so apparently they starved them into submission, giving the rock formation its name. Mm. So in March nineteen sixty three women were murdered in the park and their bodies were found in one of the canyons. Did that that happen? Yeah, did they ever figure Whoa. out that? Um, eventually, a man named Chester Weger was convinced of the crime. Some visitors to the park have claimed to hear groans and other disembodied voices amidst the rock formations. All right, well, I hate that. <sighs> well, that's creepy. <laughs> yeah, that's. I think that's pretty much it. There's a whole book full of. Ooh, there's some Chicago land ones. So maybe you could save that for another time. Yeah, maybe we'll have to save that for another episode because we're at an hour and 14. <laughs> All right. Well, most of that you can probably cut. No, I can say you're probably going to be able to cut out some stuff. Just cut your entire one out and it'll be good. <laughs> wow. All right. I bookmarked that just, just in case. Just saving it for an, a rainy day. Okay. Cool. Well, those were good, Rachie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like them. Alright. Well, I have another good news story. Oh, right. We're doing that. Yeah, that's a thing. We do that now. Oh. To tell I was I was literally asleep the last time she did it. She was. And then I <laughs> fell asleep before she even hung up. She did. Nice. <laughs> okay, are you ready? Yes. Okay. A 103-year-old... Oh, no. No, no, no. Yeah. A 103-year-old showed that it's never too late to follow your dreams when she became a park ranger at the Grand Canyon National Park. Rose Torfey was inducted as a junior ranger while vacationing at the park in January with her daughter. The Grand Canyon celebrates its 100th year as a designated national park next week, making Torfey three years older than the park. It's breathtaking. I know. Isn't that crazy? It's absolutely breathtaking. It's so beautiful, Torfi said. The great-great-grandmother of 10 told Good Morning America that she started talking to people about the Junior Ranger program because it teaches kids to protect the canyon. My parents taught me to care for the land, but not all kids have that, she added. Torfi's daughter said she has become somewhat of a spokesperson for the park and never takes off her ranger pin. Torfi knows the job is important and is hoping the program continues to thrive. I'm so happy someone is watching over it so that my great-great-grandchildren can visit it someday, too. Aw, that's cute. I Wait, know. Is she still alive? When was the story? This was three days ago. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I hope she's still alive, but you know, at 103, you never know. It's a day-by-day yep. thing. That's true. <laughs> Maybe hour-by-hour, hour, you don't know. <laughs> Rachel. Oh, my God. I mean... I hope she lived a good long life. I mean, she has lived a good. I hope she lives an even longer life, but I hope she's not in pain. It doesn't look like it. She looks like a very happy, happy hundred and three year old woman. She's like Betty White. Betty White's at a hundred and three. Yeah, but she's getting up there. She's and she's kind of got the same. 
attitude, you know? Mm-hmm. All right. Well, <laughs> thanks for joining us, Mom. Yeah, thanks. contribution yeah. has been, you researched yours probably, like, just, you, you, you did a really good job. Oh, not better than what we did. <laughs> you seem to like it. You should, you should come on more. I will if you guys will have me. Sure. Yeah. We'll let you know uh, the next episode where we have like an abundance of stories or if we have like a bunch of short stories. Okay. Well, Rachel, you going to Oh. <laughs> All right. Thanks for getting spooky with us. All right. Bye. Bye. bye.